0: Well, please turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, and again, just repeat uh, what Blake said earlier, looking forward to our our Christmas schedule beginning next week as we just have worship service, and then encourage you to come on Christmas Eve. It's always a a sweet evening as we're able to uh, reflect upon God's gift of Jesus Christ, God the Father's gift of the Son, uh, to us and for us, and for his glory, and so we look forward to, to coming and, and uh, being together for that uh, on Christmas Eve. I also want to encourage you this morning to be preparing your hearts for the Lord's Supper. We're going to participate in the Lord's Table here at the end of our service, and you don't have to be a member of Bethany Community Church to participate in the Lord's Supper. Uh, you need to be a believer. We ask that every person who participates in it would, would be a person who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ Alone for their salvation. We do encourage you to be a part of of a fellowship, to be a part of a a church, and uh, we look forward to celebrating that uh, here later in the service. Well, we're in Galatians 3, and we're continuing to look at uh, the gospel, the content of the gospel message that Paul proclaims. And if you're able to, if you would stand with me in honor of God as we read his word together, I'm going to begin. Earlier. I'm going to begin at the beginning of the chapter, and then we're going to look at verses 7 through 9 this morning. Here's what Paul writes. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? In the text we're looking at this morning, know then that it is those of faith, who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You may be seated. May God encourage and strengthen us this morning Father, we do ask, uh, by your grace, we would know you more as a result of of this, this text, we would understand your glory, we would understand your purpose for our life more deeply, and that we would fulfill that purpose of bringing glory to your name through our faith in your Son, Jesus. We pray this in his name, amen. Imagine that you and I were in Normandy, France together. And you said to me, look, Daniel, we're, we're here in Normandy. Let's, let's go see the Bayou Tapestry. And I said, well, that sounds wonderful. I have no idea what that is, but yeah, I'll, I'll do that with you. So well, it's, it's this tapestry. Technically, it's an embroidery, but it's a tapestry almost a thousand years old. Here, You know what? Let's just go see it. So you grab me by the arm, and we go to this building. We pay our nine or ten euros or whatever it is. We go in, and we look at the, the tapestry. We walk out. Well, you ask, what did you think? I said, well, it's very nice embroidery of of a dog. You said, what? Yeah, went in there. I saw the dog embroidery. A little bit of much attention to me. I don't know. if It's not worth nine or ten euros, but whatever. A thousand years old. I guess that's interesting. He said, no, 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 no. You grab me by the arm. We walk back in, and I see. Yeah, look. And I walk over, and I see a little look. There's a little dog. He said, no, no, Daniel. You gently grab me by the arm, gently, and you you pull me back. You say, "This this tapestry is, is not a tapestry of a dog. I mean, yeah, there's a dog on it, but this thing is it's 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 a foot and a half wide and it's two hundred and thirty feet long. It, it tells the story of the the Norman invasion of, of of the conquering of of England. It's it's it was made in like." around 1066, a little after 1066, when the, the Normans invaded. And, and you see here, it, Daniel, look, it begins here with, with uh, King Edward and his brother-in-law, Harold, and, and Edward sending Harold to, to, to France, and then Harold goes to France. He meets with William, and then there's uh, Harold goes, he goes back to England, and he, his, his Edward dies, and so Harold becomes king, and then William, uh, there's this, this battle as he comes to England. And then here's the, the last part of the existing tapestry as the Englishmen flee the, the field. So yeah, Daniel, there's a dog on it, um, but there's you know, 35 dogs on it, hundreds of animals, and, and in fact, there are uh, hundreds of, of people on it, and it's telling this, this epic story from history. And I step back and I say, ah, yes, I see that now. You and I are figures on a tapestry, and sometimes it's very helpful for us to, to step back and, and see that you and I are part of a, a much larger story than just the story of our lives. We're on a, we're on a tapestry that extends into eternity past and goes Into eternity, future, we're part of a tapestry that encompasses billions of of lives And, and one great God. A story that tells of God's great plan of redemption, how God, in His grace, brought you and I into relationship with. Him through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, how He provided us with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are part of a a large story of redemption, and I believe it is very helpful for us at times to step back and see the the all-encompassing nature of the story that God is telling us in His Word it helps us think more rightly about who God is. God is not some God who is all about just my individual life. God is a God who in his sovereignty is bringing his sovereign plan from eternity past into fruition in the present and in the future. And and it should cause me to to worship God as I think about who he is. It it should cause me to think differently about my life. My life is is not just about this little section of the tapestry upon which I am placed. I'm not supposed to be thinking just about this tapestry and, and my concerns and 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 the way that my life is, is being lived, I see that the way that my life is being lived and the things that are happening in me are part of a much greater story. And, and my purpose is not to be in relationship with God so that he can focus on just on this aspect of the tapestry, but, but my job is, by God's grace, to be a part of this overarching plan of bringing glory to his name, and I want to do so willingly and with, with passion as I see the beauty of being a part of his family and his plan. Helps me as I respond to others, as I see the the, the joy of being in relationship with them through God's grace. It helps me as I think about the riches of my inheritance that are taking place in the future. Here we're in a text. And we see something in these three verses about our connection with Abraham. And, And it helps us, I believe, to understand that you and I are part of a much larger story, that we're connected by god 's grace to this man Abraham, and as we think about Abraham and our connection to him and, and God's promises to him, it helps us understand that, that the moment that we are in right now is not an isolated moment but is part of a much larger story, and I believe understanding that helps us relate to God. It helps us understand our own lives and helps us to relate to one another. So here's the main thing that I kind of want us to to, to start off with this morning and and then kind of unpack. Here's kind of our, our main idea. By God's grace, through faith, you are connected with God's cosmic plan from eternity past to redeem you for his glory. By God's grace, we're part of this plan. And God's plan is that through faith, we're going to see that that in the text. Through faith, we've been connected with with part of God's cosmic plan. It's a plan that's existed from eternity past, and it's a plan that we would be redeemed, but not just redeemed for for this moment, for for our own benefits, so we get a a better job or have better friends or or uh, look nicer or are just a kinder person. We we have been redeemed by God's grace through faith and and connected to this plan from eternity past to be redeemed for His glory. We're going to unpack what that looks like by looking at two questions. And here's the first question. Number one, who are Abraham's children? That's the first question that I want you to look at with me this morning. And as we do so, look at your text. Look at your Bible if you have it there. And uh, here's what's taking place. Paul writes this. He says, Uh, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Now, now what's happened is this. Remember, Paul has gone to this area and he's he's preached the gospel. He came through, he preached the gospel, and then he went through again and he set up elders in this area, in these churches. And then he leaves. And then his opponents come to this area. These are what we call Judaizers, They're, they're people that are preaching that you need to be a part of the Jewish faith in order to really be connected with God. And these Judaizers, these these opponents of Paul, they, they come to these churches that he's established, and they say, look, if you really want to be connected with God, you need to become Jewish, you need to be circumcised, you need to follow the law. They might have gone to a passage like Genesis 17. In Genesis 17... We read that God says to Abraham, You shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Then he says, uh, verse 14, well, verse 13, So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He's broken my covenant. So these guys come into the, the churches and say, Look, guys, if if you really, if you really want to be connected, if you, if you want to be connected with the promises of Abraham, if you want to be Abraham's children, part of this Abrahamic covenant, it's good that you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Now what you need to do to be connected to Abraham, you need to become circumcised. You need to begin to follow the law. This is how you become a son of Abraham. Paul hears about this. And Paul corrects their misunderstanding. He says, no, 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 that's that's not correct. Remember what he said in verse 6. Look there at verse 6. He's talking about how you're sanctified through faith. and he, He quotes Genesis 15. Abraham believed God and was counted him as righteous. In fact, why don't you turn back in your Bibles, if you can, to Genesis? And we're going to look at a couple passages in Genesis. We looked at Genesis 17 a little bit already. Look at Genesis 15. Now, uh, we talked about this when we went through Genesis, but Genesis 17 describes circumcision. And now we're in Genesis 15. Now, uh, for those of you who are Bible scholars, does Genesis 15 become, does it come before or after Genesis 17? Or just good at, (laughs) thanks Malcolm. Uh, uh, Yeah, Genesis 15 comes before Genesis 17, right? And here's, here's what it says in Genesis 15. It says that God has God has made his promise to Abraham beginning in Genesis twelve. That's where the story of Abraham really begins. And then it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield, and your reward shall be very great. So he says, What I promise to do, I'm, I'm going to do. And Abram says, Look, I'm I'm not sure how you're going to do what you've said you're going to do, because your promise involves an heir, an offspring. And I, I'm old, just kind of doing the math here, the biology, this, this isn't going to work. God says, Abraham, maybe, maybe you're going, maybe since you've given me no offspring, he says in verse 3, uh, maybe it's going to be a member of my household who will be my, my heir. Maybe it's going to be this Eliezer guy. And listen to what God says in verse four. It says, no, uh, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And so he said to them, so shall your offspring be. So I I know right now it doesn't look good, but I'm promising you an heir and it's going to be the heir through which these promises that I've given you come and your offspring are ultimately going to be like the stars in the heaven. And how... Does Abraham respond to that promise that God made of a future heir that will come from him, who will be the means through which God blesses the nations? How does Abraham respond to that? Abraham responds by by working hard, and God says, "Good job." Abraham responds by saying, "Okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to obey the law, and then maybe you'll find me acceptable." No, what it says in the text is Abraham. God makes that astonishing promise, and. It says he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. You see that in Genesis 15, 6. God counted Abraham's faith as righteousness. Abraham hadn't done anything. He hadn't been circumcised yet. That's Genesis 17. He hadn't obeyed the law. That, that doesn't come until the book of Exodus. And yet God looks... At Abraham's faith, and he counts him righteous. He makes a, a, Paul makes a similar argument later in Romans 4. In Romans 4, Paul says, Look, what shall we say was, say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And Paul gives the example of David as well there in Romans 4. And then he says, "Is the blessing only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How, was, how then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? Was it before or after Genesis 17? Well, it was before. It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still circumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Here's what I want you to see. This passage here in Genesis 15 becomes the passage that Paul says look this is the lens through which you view the life of Abraham. God makes an astonishing promise to him in Genesis 12 and we'll talk about that later. He, he affirms it in other places in the, the story of Abraham. So he makes this incredible promise in Genesis 12, he affirms that promise in Genesis 15, and Abraham believes that promise and it's on the basis of his it's on the basis of God's grace. That he, that he justifies Abraham, but Abraham receives that justification through faith. He receives God's righteousness, not through his works, but through faith. So, what's Paul's point? Paul's point is that those who are of faith are those who are the sons of Abraham. You're not a son of Abraham by works. You're a son of Abraham, not by following the law. You're a son of Abraham if you've believed in God concerning his promise of an heir. You believe in Jesus just like Abraham did. Now this is an important point that that I think a lot of times we... We don't really consider. And you know, when I was in second or, or third grade, I can remember going to, to children's church and uh, there was a song, right? There was a song that we all sang. And uh, Mike, I, you usually do so well um, hitting all the right songs. Maybe it's because it's Christmas, you didn't have the space. But but obviously, the, the obvious choice this morning for our worship time would have been, yes. F- what? Father Abraham. That's a kid's Yeah, Father Abraham, right? I remember singing that song as a second grader, you know, Father Abraham and his sons. When his sons said, Father Abraham, I'm one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, okay, and then you're in your right arm. Father Abraham and his sons, when sons said, Father Abraham, I'm one of them, so are you, so let's praise the Lord, right arm. Left arm, okay. Now things are starting to get fun, right, uh, as a second grader, because it's, it's hitting time. You know, I'm singing the song, and I'm, I'm hitting my friend. Now, I can remember, and then, and then it's like you know, right arm, left arm, and it's like your whole body, and you're just, um, it's, it's chaos, right? I can remember singing that song and thinking this song makes no sense. Right? <laughs> this song, I remember thinking, this song seems very Jewish, and um, I, I'm not seeing it. But uh, I love hitting my friend Chris, and so you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna sing "Father Abraham." Now, I went to a church. I went to several churches growing up, and churches were uh, very very good churches, gospel-believing churches, gospel-teaching churches. But there was, a, there was a theological belief in some of the churches that I attended that really separated Christians from Abraham, in my opinion, in, in terms of how they talked about the church. And maybe some of you grew up in, in this, this church background as well. The idea was this. God dealt with the Jews made the promises to Abraham, then there was the Jewish nation, and, and God made the, the promises that he made to the Jews. And uh, then Jesus came and presented the gospel to the Jews, and the Jews rejected it, and so now there's this time of the church. And the phrase was used sometimes, and, and I, I taught this as well, uh, was, was that the church was kind of like this, this, this per- parenthetical period, like parentheses, so there's the Jews, Israel, then the church, parentheses, and then God's going to deal with the Jews again someday. Now, I believe that there, there is some, of course, some difference between the church and God's plan with Israel. And I believe, I, I, I personally believe that as you come into passages like Romans 11, it, it seems like God has a, a plan for ethnic Israel in the future as well. But I believe we've, we've done ourselves a disservice. We're being unbiblical when we see such a stark difference between the church and the promises that God made to Abraham. There's a connection here. You and I are, are not completely distinct from what's happened here in, in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 15. We're part of Abraham. It's not just a song you sing in children's church to to burn off some energy. We are sons of Abraham and daughters of Abraham. Paul wants us to know that we are sons of Abraham. He says, look, you need to know that you are connected to Abraham, but it's not through becoming Jewish. It's through faith. By God's grace, through faith, you've become sons of Abraham. You and I... When we understand that we're sinners, we understand that Jesus Christ sent his, uh, that God sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. After He lived a perfect life to bear God's wrath on the cross as God and man for our sins, and then when we we place our faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of our own sins, saying, "Okay, I'm no longer going to rely upon myself. I'm going to." I'm going to turn from relying on myself and and place my full confidence in Jesus Christ. As we do that, by faith, we become children of God and yes, also, in a sense, sons of Abraham. We're connected to Abraham. Who are Abraham's children? It's those of us who by faith have believed in God's promised Messiah. Now, now, comes the second question. What does it matter? Why does it matter if we are Abraham's children? Okay. You say, well, fine, I'm, I'm, I'm a son of Abraham, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. What does it matter? Here's why it matters. Look at verses 8 and 9. These verses provide some, some biblical backing for what Paul has just asserted. And uh, this is, he says, this isn't something new. This is something scripture fore- foretold would happen. Now, here's again what the opponents had taught. They had taught, look, they, they, again, they came to these churches and said, guys, look, you need to get circumcised. You need to begin to follow the law so you can be connected to Abraham. And why do you need to be connected to Abraham? Because God promised all these things to Abraham. So, for example, Look at this in just a second. Genesis 12, 3. God says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you want to be blessed, right? You want to be connected to these promises that God has given Abraham. So you can be. You can be blessed through Abraham, but circumcision has always been integral. You've got you to do this. You gotta, this goes back to Abraham. It's affirmed in the, in the law, part of God's overarching redemption plan. So get circumcised and become a son of Abraham. Now here's what Paul teaches. In fact, let's, let's look at four things here that Paul teaches. Number one, Paul acknowledges, yes, number one, the gospel is an overarching story of redemption. Here's what Paul is teaching about the gospel and about the blessing of Abraham. Paul says, yes. The gospel is an overarching story of redemption. The, 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 the other teachers are right in that sense. There is this meta-narrative, there is this grand story. They have the contours of it wrong, but, but there is this thing called biblical theology, this this the story that God is is, is is unfolding throughout human history. It says here in verse 8. The, the scripture foreseeing that. In other words, it wasn't like God said, you know what, uh, I'm going to do this Abraham thing. Uh, okay, you know what? Now I'm going to do this Moses thing. Uh, let's try David. Uh, let's try Jesus. No, the, the, the promises that he made to Abraham were part of an overarching metanarrative, a grand story of redemption that he had planned from eternity past. And as he wrote scripture, he knew that. And so the scriptures, it says, foretold this. They foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. God is known as redemptive plan since before humanity has been in existence. The problem is, again, these, these, these teachers had misunderstood the story. They had thought it was a story of circumcision, of, of obeying the law, when in reality it was a story of, of grace, God's grace working through faith. They were right it was a big story, they just misunderstood the point. When I was in uh, high school, I took a photography class and I'd been told it was kind of a, a blow-off class and so I I um didn't maybe invest all the time into it that I should and one of the assignments was just uh take a picture from a magazine and and spend a paragraph describing it. I was like, ah, "I can do that." So uh, right before the class, pulled out a picture of a mag from a magazine and and wrote this paragraph. I said, "This this beautiful picture uh, depicts a a stream running through the woods, and the leaves have fallen upon the stream very gently and beautifully, and blah, 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 blah. And I got it back, and on the top of the paper was written the words, that's not a stream, it's a sidewalk. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it is. Uh, that's a much different picture now, right? Yeah. That's what happens here with this story. This is a story about the law and, and about how to be obedient before God. And, and this is a story about how a person needs to, to do the right things in order to be in relationship with God. And, and it's like, no, you missed the whole story. This is a, a plan of redemption of, of how you can be in relationship with God through faith. And, and Paul is saying, look, this is a story that God told us from the very beginning. Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed, not through circumcision, but through faith, not through works, but by faith. Here's a second thing we see about the gospel, according to Paul. The gospel is a story that is tied to God's promise to Abraham. Again, these, these opponents of Paul aren't wrong to see the connection to Abraham, They're not wrong to see that this this story is tied to God's promise to Abraham. In fact, let's think about this. Look at Genesis 12. He says in verse 8, again, this is the gospel he preached beforehand to Abraham, saying, and you all the nations shall be blessed. Now, what is the blessing? Here's what we see in Genesis 12. Here's what we see in Genesis 12. What, what, What did God promise? In Genesis 12, it says the Lord came to Abram, says to Abraham, Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house and go to the land that I'll show you. And and notice here, notice that God is going to promise some things to Abraham and he's going to promise some things through Abraham to others. So there's a blessing to Abraham and there's a blessing to the nations. So he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. It's a promise to Abraham. I'm going, to, I'm going to bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so there's, there's this blessing to Abraham of nationhood, He's, which is going to require land, labor. Later in verse six, Abraham goes to this land. And God appears to Abram and says, "Look, this is the land I'm going to give your offspring." And Abram builds an altar to the Lord. So there's a blessing to Abraham that includes nationhood and land. There's going to be a great name, which implies a a royal line. Second, seven, Second Samuel seven nine talks about this um, this idea of a great name. And then there's a uh, for 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 King David and and his offspring his lineage and then there's also there's also this this blessing to others Genesis 18 we see this occur again God tells Abraham I've or he's talking about uh, telling Abraham what he's going to do. He says, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, okay? So, Paul's opponents are right. This, this, this gospel blessing that Paul says was preached beforehand to Abraham, this gospel blessing is, is part of a story that, that's tied to what God promises to Abraham. And what is God promising Abraham? He's promising him a nation, and he's promising him an heir, and that through that heir, through that offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through that royal offspring. And we see that continue through all of Scripture. Through all of Scripture, we, we see as God works through these other, other covenants that they all kind of come back to this. To this covenant that he makes with Abraham. So, for example, Mary in Luke chapter one says that God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So she roots Jesus' ministry in in, in uh, Abraham himself. Zechariah in Luke chapter one, as we think about the Christmas season here says that God is, Zechariah, as he's prophesying in Luke 1, says that God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. In other words... The blessing that the Messiah brings is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham. Here's the third thing we see. Number three, the gospel is a story about God's gracious justification through faith and not through works. The opponents of Paul had really misunderstood what God was doing. The story had always been centered on God's gracious justification coming about through faith, and, and the opponents of Paul missed it. They had completely misread the story. So, for example, there's this book, 1 Maccabees, and it's in the Jewish tradition. It talks about Abraham's obedience, and it says this, Was not Abraham found faithful when tested? And his faithfulness when tested was reckoned to him as righteousness. So they had taken Genesis 22 and Genesis 15:6 6, and, and uh, Genesis uh, 17, and they kind of all merged together, so it was obedience that saved Abraham and not faith. So what does Paul say? He says, no, 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 no. It was in Abraham that all the nations will be blessed. And so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Then finally, finally we see this, the gospel, the gospel Paul tells us here, contrary to what, the opponents were teaching. The gospel is a never ending story of all nations experiencing the blessing of Abraham as they worship God forever. The gospel story is, is not a story that has a conclusion, but it's a story that continues on into eternity future. And it's not about just the Jews, not, it's not just about the circumcised people getting the blessing of Abraham. The story of the gospel is a story of all nations experiencing the blessing that was promised to Abraham as they engage in worship of God forever. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 47. It says, for God... For God is is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. All the kings of the earth come together and, and they worship and they experience the blessing of Abraham as Abraham's God engages in gracious salvation of them psalm 87 is a psalm we've talked about before as we've talked about the missionary endeavor and in psalm 87 we see all these different nations and we see god looking upon his city the city of jerusalem he says the lord loves a special part of the city of jerusalem he loves the gates and why does it say that he loves the gates of Zion? Because it's the gates of Zion that the nations come through to engage in worship. And God talks about being born again in Psalm 87. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. All these different enemies of Israel are now coming through the gates of Zion and God loves it. And as they come in, God says, this one was born there, and this one is born here. These are Zion-born people. They've been reborn into my people as they engage in worship of me. All the nations, the singers and dancers alike, say, all my springs, all my satisfaction and joy is found in you. Peter, in Acts chapter 3 not even fully understanding the magnitude of what he's saying, is saying all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, the days that we're living in after we've, we've seen Jesus the Messiah. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers saying to Abraham and in your offspring... Shall all the families of the earth be blessed? God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now, here's here's still the question, though. You say, "Okay, Daniel, I I get it. I'm I'm a son of Abraham or daughter of Abraham. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm one of His children through faith." And I understand that that Paul is trying to help me see that this this gospel story is an overarching story of redemption and it's a story that's tied to God's promises and that the gospel is a story about God's gracious justification, not on the basis of works, but through faith. And it's this never-ending story. It's this never-ending story of the nations engaging in worship of him. All those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. All those who are of faith are going to receive the things that God promised Abraham. You say, now, So what, right? What what does that do for me to know that knowledge? Here's a couple of of things that I think help us as we as we as we step back. We say, okay, here's 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 this little dog on the tapestry. Here's a little me on the tapestry. We step back and say, okay, oh, this is a this is a much bigger picture. Here's here's some things that I I think happen. Here's why it matters. Number one, I'm going to exalt God as I begin to grasp the scope of the story that he's written. I exalt God with my life as I begin to grasp the scope of the story that he's written. Worship is an appropriate response. As I think about my connection with the promises that God made to Abraham thousands of years ago. It affects how I read the Bible as I exalt God, right? I, I'm reading the text, and I read, you know, when you read the biography of a, of a famous person, there are, there are lessons you can learn, but but imagine you're reading a story about about your family. It affects you in a different way, and not a, not just a story about your family, but a story about your family and about an inheritance that you have because of who your family is. As I, as I read through the Bible, as I read through the Old Testament, and I don't just see, okay, here's the church, and now here's Israel back there, and, and there's, there's sh- this huge disconnect between the two. As I say, no, I'm, I'm part of what God has promised Abraham. It, it affects my ability to worship God as I grasp the scope of his, his plan of redemption. I, I think it also, as we think about this first, this first point of application, I think it also helps me as I realize my in, my insignificance. I, I think it helps me approach difficulties in a more biblical way. I recognize, first of all, I recognize that some of the things that so dominate my my thoughts and some of the things that so dominate my my stress and my concerns and, you know, they're just not that important in God's plan of redemption. And how much better would my life be and if I just step back and said, you know what, some of the things that I'm so concerned about, some of the things that consume my, my thoughts and my troubles, and this is just not a significant thing in terms of God's great plan. And it would also help me see this. The, the thing that is important are, are the, the people who are on this tapestry, who are, are part of God's plan to bring glory and redemption to the world. Glory to his name and redemption to the world. These brothers and sisters I have in Christ, they're, we're all part of Abraham. Secondly, what happens is this. I, I trust in Christ as I understand the response of faith more clearly. I look at Abraham's life and I see, okay, this is, this is what it means to respond by faith. I see the the beauty of of faith alone. Faith alone is not just some magic words that I say to get in a relationship with God. It's acknowledging that, hey, this whole tapestry is not about my works, but about God's grace, and and I I trust in him. Uh, Number three, I, I glorify God. Number three here. I glorify God as I proclaim Christ among the nations so that others may become sons and daughters of Abraham through faith. As I recognize the story that God has been telling, I say, okay, this... This plan to bless Abraham was not just that Abraham would be blessed. It wasn't just to bless me. This, this, this story, this gospel story, is about the nations bringing glory and honor to God's name. It fills me with a, a fervor to see the gospel proclaimed, to personally proclaim the gospel to my relatives that I see Over the next few weeks, who maybe don't know the Lord, to proclaim Christ in the workplace, in school, the relationships that God has has placed me. Then finally, I I think this matters because it helps me obey God. I obey God as as I think about where I am and and about my, my future blessings in Christ. What God has promised Abraham through faith, I receive through faith. Paul's opponents are are right to recognize our connection to Abraham. They're just completely off in understanding what that connection looks like and how I receive the blessings that God promised Abraham. How are you and I blessed? Not through our works, but through faith. I want us to turn our hearts now to be considering uh, how this applies as we think about partaking of the Lord's table together and invite the men to begin to to make their way forward to pass out the elements for the Lord's Supper. By grace, through faith, you're connected with God's cosmic plan from eternity past uh, to redeem you for his glory. So what I'd invite you to do is is just to take a a moment with me, In just a moment as the elements begin to be passed out, and and to ask the Lord, Lord, please first just reveal to me those ways in which I've I've misunderstood the purpose of your redemptive plan. <laughs> Maybe I've I've made uh, my myself the, the center of this tapestry and and you know, I see myself in eternity past, and I see myself in eternity future, I see myself all throughout this this beautiful tapestry, the tapestry of Daniel. Ask God to reveal, Lord, how am I failing to understand your great glory? proclaimed throughout the universe, throughout the ages. And, and then God, help me understand, how does this this small part that you've called me to play, how can I be more faithful in proclaiming your glory in the places in which you in your sovereignty have, have set me? So let's, let's go ahead and let, let me pray, and then the, the men can pass out those elements and you can continue to meditate on this in your heart. Father, we pray now as we, we come to you to participate in the Lord's Supper, we, we proclaim our identity ultimately in your son, Jesus Christ. And like our father in the faith, Abraham, we recognize our inability to justify your promises, to justify your blessing, and we place our confidence and our trust alone. As a community of faith, we place our confidence and trust alone in your son, Jesus, to receive your blessing. We pray that as we make that confession You would reveal in our hearts areas in which we need you to change us, to shape us, to mold us, to conform more to the image of your Son, Jesus, to live by faith. We pray this in his name. Amen.